You're listening to the Skylight Books Podcast. We're an independent, general interest bookstore putting great reads in the hands of people in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles. Hosted by resident Skylighters, we're here to bring you new and exciting author conversations, group reads, and bookseller chats. Happy listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Skylight Books Crowdcast channel. My name is Natalie, and I'm the assistant events manager at Skylight Books. We are so, so excited that you could join us to celebrate Bi Visibility Week with this very special event, Writing Bisexuality, featuring author Antonia Angres and memoirist Jen Winston. We can see in the chat that we've got people joining us from all over the US, which is so exciting, truly across the map, which is very fun. Um, and we are so excited to have this chat with you. We want you to participate. So if you haven't said hello in the chat yet, you, you can go ahead and do that. You can also ask questions that Jen and Antonia will get to later in the event. You can do that by typing them into the chat or by using the ask a question button at the bottom of your screen. And if you have not gotten a copy of Antonia's book, Sirens and Muses, or Jen's memoir, Bree, you can do that by clicking the big shiny green button at the bottom of your screen. And I know we have tons to talk about. So without further ado, I will introduce you to our guests. Antonia Angres was born in Los Angeles and raised in San Jose, Costa Rica. She's a graduate of Brown University and the University of Minnesota MFA program, where she was a Winifred Fiction Fellow and a College of Liberal Arts Fellow. She lives in Minneapolis with her husband, the artist Connor McManus, and Sirens and Muses is her first novel. Den Winston is a writer and bisexual whose work focuses on dating, queerness, and the millennial condition. They are the author of the critically acclaimed book, Greedy, Notes from a Bisexual Who Wants Too Much, which Oprah Magazine called provocative and profound, funny, and frank. Paper Mag wrote that Jen's debut is at once relatable, laugh out loud, funny, and refreshingly illuminating, and BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed named Greedy a best LGBTQ book of 2021, calling it more insightful about identity than any book this year. Jen newly lives in Los Angeles with her partner, Dogs and iPhone. Follow Jen on Twitter, Instagram, and alas, TikTok at Generous. Thank you both so much for being here. Thank you for having Yay. us. Hi, Jen. Yay. Hi, I'm so happy we're doing this. Me too. Happy um, Bi Visibility Week. Happy Bi Visibility Week Did to you, you too. notice I'm wearing, well, it's not almost, it's not quite the Bi Pride flag, but. Oh my God, almost. but it, it's it's there it's more more than me although i kind of think that the buy flag should be gold oh <laughs> i'm gonna that? start a petition uh i don't know because we deserve it <laughs> but um i also feel like we we are obligated to tell everybody that antonia and i are are like friends who have one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one monthly like let's talk about author things uh and so we are just, we've been talking about doing this for a very long time. So we're really excited. And thank you, Skylight, for having us. Thank you so much. And it's also, it's, is it almost the one year anniversary of Greedy's publication? Yes. Month, which right? is, yeah, it's, that's, a, you have a great memory. It's a milestone I like don't even know what to, what to do with. It's wild. Are you going to have a birthday party for your book, baby? Oh my God, I absolutely should. Oh, yay. Hi, Rachel. Um, Another so, strong bisexual author, yes. Rachel so, Kranz. Rachel Kranz, who wrote um, the memoir Open, which is great, 
um, just dropped a BuzzFeed article today um, calling 2022 the year of the bisexual book. I think you started us off like late in 2021, Jen. Well, maybe that's why I had to write it. <laughs> um, and you were on that list as as you should have been in, in the, bisex the list of BuzzFeed bisexual books. Yes. Yeah, there's some really good ones there and some I haven't read yet. Yeah, same. Same. Um, okay, well, we do have a little bit of structure. We have some questions. So uh, I will, how about I start? Go for it. And we can both, we can both answer. Okay, so um, what is your relationship to the term bisexual? Obviously, it's a, the controversial term should not be, but um, what has been your journey with it? And when did you know you were bi? And also, when did you know you wanted to write about being bi? So I grew up in a pretty conservative environment. I, my, ironically, my family is very liberal, um, but I grew up in Costa Rica, which is a very Catholic country. And I grew up kind of in a shamey environment. And I very distinctly remember going through a period in my teens where I became very, very worried that I was a lesbian. Um, and it's, it literally did not occur to me that I could like, I could like boys and girls. I, I, I had like, I had crushes on girls and, and I was like, I must be a lesbian. This is, this is bad. Um, and then I started um, a little bit later, I started dating a guy, um, my first boyfriend. And I sort of thought to myself, oh, okay, I'm straight. It, it truly like, it just did not occur to me. Um, and so I sort of kind of tamped that part of me down. Um, Although I did, you know, I did have, you know, encounters with women in college. I, you know, I never seriously dated women. And then in my in my mid twenties, um, you know, after after I'd gotten married um, to the person that I'm still married to, very happily, I um, I met this this woman, and I like completely just became completely infatuated with her. And that was so that was a moment in my life where I just sort of had to reckon with this part of me that I had. <laughs> like very much repressed as, as a teenager. Um, and that also kind of corresponded to this creative breakthrough in this book that I was working on, um, which I eventually published called Sirens and Muses. Um, and so I was sort of going, you know, going through this, <laughs> there she is. Um, you know, I was, I was going through this sort of, you know, re, re, uh, what's the word? I had to like completely reconceptualize my understanding of myself, right? That this like, and and I had a much different relationship with, you know, queerness as someone in my mid twenties than I did, you know, living in a really conservative place at 14 or 15. So at that point, it was no longer like a negative. At that point, it was like, oh, there's this, there's this part of me that I distinctly remember being very scared of as a kid that is no longer scary to me, but it's, you know, it's this part of me that I need to, you know, I need to grapple with now. Um, and I, I was really stuck in this book that I was writing. And that experience of kind of asking all these questions about my sexuality and like really thinking about it sort of broke something open for me creatively. Um, and 
that was sort of the moment where I, I realized that the heart of this novel that I was writing was this, you know, this queer relationship, this sapphic relationship between these two women. And so a lot of the, a lot of the questions and the feelings that I was having, I put into the book. Um, and that felt like really natural to me at the time as I was going through it. How about I you? Mean, well, I, I just want to say you did an incredible job of that because it's like, it's like a relationship so vivid. I feel like I know, I feel like it happened to like my friends or even me, <laughs> like if you write it so beautifully. Um, yeah, I, I will definitely second the fact that writing about your sexuality, especially as a bi person is like really inspiring. The process of working on my book was, was like, I felt like I was learning new stuff about my bisexuality all the time. Like it, I had so much fun writing it. Um, but pre pre that, um, and like my whole book is like basically my, my coming out story. So this might be redundant to some people, but um, I also didn't know that I was like allowed to be bi. And because I was attracted to men, I just sort of like, was like, okay, cool. Like I'll do that. But I really needed like, I. I, I couldn't, I was trying to like get myself in a queer relationship or get myself in a circumstance where I could fall in love with a woman or someone of another gender. And it just like, wasn't working for me. And I think it's, it, it's because I felt like I didn't deserve to be there because I felt like the term bisexual was fake or that by claiming it, I was just wanting attention or like, it, it just didn't feel very, it didn't feel very real. I felt like everyone was bisexual, which I've since realized is something that it, it's kind of a microaggression because it, it makes it seem like being bi is not a big deal. Um, and also a lot of people would be like, oh, I like, I'm queer, but like, or like I'm fluid, but I don't need labels. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I, I needed a label like really badly to, to cling to just to like be able to see myself. I, I think now I, I am more comfortable and like, obviously my entire personality now is being bisexual, but, uh, so I can't let it go and I, I don't even want to, but, uh, but I, I don't need it as much as I used to. Like, I feel like it was like a, it was like a, a, a rung on like a pull-up bar. This is a terrible metaphor that I was uh, holding on to from below, and then I like hoisted myself up, and now I'm like standing on top of it. So it's it's been like very helpful for me. Um, and I knew I wanted to write about it when I did a post on Instagram about bisexuality not necessarily being binary, and I felt like that was a big misconception that also made me not want to claim the term is I thought it was like reinforcing the gender binary. But then I found all of these uh, bi theorists and like queer theory about the gender expansiveness of bisexuality and the history of the movement and the potential for that label. Um, and so I, I wanted to like let people know that. So I did like a like an Instagram infographic about it. And the response was like, mind-blowing i like all these people were like oh my god thank you for this it it probably is like making the rounds right now it like makes around every year on during this week um because that's when people care <laughs> but it it 
was really illuminating to realize how many other people had this experience. And the more I talked about it, the more people would be like, thank you for talking about this. And I was like, wow, I think people should be talking about this. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful for your book and, and for, cause I think it really shows what fiction can do to talk about this, like in such a beautiful way. Well, your book, I, first of all, I love Greedy in part because it's just hilarious. It like, it's, it just cracked me up the entire time I was reading it, but it was also like looking in a mirror. There were, there was a lot of stuff that you articulated in it, like the imposter syndrome and sort of the, like the sense of, uh, like the, the constant questioning of yourself and, and of like wondering, am I making this up? Am I, you know, am I just wanting attention? All of that just felt so familiar to me. And it's a book that I, I, I read it after I'd already, you know, I'd come out, I, I, you know, been out publicly as bi for, for a while at that point. But I remember distinctly thinking, I wish this was a book that I had had as, as a young woman, like this would have, this book would have made so many things make sense to me. Um, and so I'm, that's why I'm, I mean, I wish, I wish I could go back in time and, you know, give myself this book, but I'm really glad that like greedy is out in the world and that, you know, young people now have, have access to this like really important, really like warm and funny and approachable text about, you know, these feelings that a lot of people have. One of the, one of the very surprising things to me, um, you know, when I came out was like meeting all these other, all these other people I knew in particular women who were in, you know, and ended up in very happy relationships with cis men who, you know, also had this part of themselves that they didn't quite know how to, how to share. And so just like, like having, you know, having like really close friends of mine tell me, yeah, I'm bi too. It's not something I ever really felt like I could talk about because, you know, I'm dating this guy and, and, you know, how can I claim this when I'm in a straight relationship? Um, so I feel like your book is really, it's really, really important. And, and I'm glad it's in the world. And someone here in the chat said that it's trailblazing and I completely agree. I think it's a trailblazing book. You are so sweet. Well, I mean, I, I think our books are in conversation as they say, uh, <laughs> in a nice way, because obviously mine is like, uh, nonfiction, like about my own life. And I almost feel like guilty actually, when people say that they feel very seen by my book, because I'm like, all I did was talk about it. Like, I, I feel like it's something that so few people talk about that, like, part part of the thing people appreciate about my book is just the fact that, it, that it's there. <laughs> so which is, which is, I mean, sure, I, I work in marketing also. So like, you know, I'm proud of myself for finding a niche in the marketplace. Uh, but I, I feel like it's, it's gonna it's getting more and more challenging to write like breakthrough uh bisexual content um and i just think you you really did that like it was such a the relationship was so beautiful also like incredible sex writing which i will not i will not <laughs> dive into for fear of spoilers uh i will not give any specifics <laughs> truly incredible um like, I think just overall, like you captured the, the like thrill and the fear also of like entering your first queer relationship and like the uncertainty, I guess. Um, and it was just 
it also just like said so many things about capitalism that I was really thinking after publishing my first book. So I, it just really like, what a wonderful novel. And I think it's really interesting how we, I mean, how we both came at the same subject from completely different. I mean, not that that was like the full subject of your book, but that we both mm -hmm. wrote about bisexuality in completely different ways. Well, I know you're working on a novel too. So I'm, I'm excited to see how how you come at this topic um, through fiction. Well, uh, it's challenging. I'm realizing because I like I wanted to put. Sorry to cut you off. I wanted to put um, bisexuality like on the cover of my book because I wanted to highlight the label because the label meant so like was so important to me. And I was like, you know, we have all these things that are like vaguely bisexual, but I want something that's like proudly, openly bisexual. And part of the problem is like, in fiction, you wanna show, not tell. And to be like, I'm bisexual and this is my story. Like, it's not, it doesn't like, it's very, it can be very cheesy, which was like a challenge in, in writing the book. That maybe, maybe that's why it's funny, if it's funny, because I, I felt like I had to anticipate those critiques. Um, but, yeah, I'll I'll hand it back to you. But I well, I will, I, I mean, it is very funny. First off, um, it's like the way whenever I pitch it to people, I'm like, it's if Broad City were a really brilliant essay collection. Um, so your your book, in some ways, really leans into stereotypes about bisexuals, right? It's called greedy. Um, but in other ways, it really like pushes back against them. And there's, there's a really interesting tension there, I think. So I'm curious to know how, you know, how you approached writing about those stereotypes and, you know, how, um, how, how you navigated that, you know, what were some stereotypes you didn't want to perpetuate about bisexuality and what were some that you, you know, you felt like you had to lean into because they, you know, they, for you, they represented reality. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the, the day that I realized I was going to write this book was when I was talking to my friend, Ben, who was in the book. Um, and he was like, you know, there's this stereotype that bi people are greedy and it's like, I don't understand why that's bad. Like, it just means we're like getting some, <laughs> it's like what, what, he, what was like how he said it. And, uh, at the time I was like, oh, that's a really, really good point. And I was, uh, reading the work of, or that like sort of led me to the work of Shiri Eisner, who I like quote a lot throughout my book and whose work I think is incredible. And it's all about the, these, like the subtext behind these bi stereotypes. Uh, like there's a great Shiri quote that somehow didn't make it into my book, but is my favorite quote to like bring up at events like this. Um, bi bisexual confusion can be thought of as a destabilizing agent of social change because really it asks you to choose between two truths that like you didn't, you didn't pick like two truths that were already there or, or two options. And you just reject them, which is, is if you think of bisexual confusion through that lens, like it's so powerful. And so I was trying to reclaim that through through reclaiming those stereotypes and i got a lot of pushback actually like my publisher tried to get me to change the name and we like went through like a million different names and it was still the best um and 
I also like I did an event with Robin Oaks, who's like a bisexual activist. I don't know if any of you know her, um, but she was like, if your book had come out when I was doing activism, I would have been very uh, like very skeptical of it because I mean, she's still doing activism when it, she was like 20 years ago, if your book had come out, I don't know that I could have endorsed it because it was like confirming all these things she had to actively fight against in order to like be accepted. So it, it was it was interesting to think about it through that lens of it feeling like it's like a like this place, right place, right time, like mm -hmm. type of approach. But I'm also curious for you about like by about by stereotypes that you wanted to avoid when writing your characters. Obviously, it's like so easy to slip into tropes and you have uh, like two is it th or is it three? like amazing by characters. I, I, well, I, I read two, it. Yeah. I have two by, yeah, two. Okay, two that, that's what I thought. I thought maybe, maybe one yeah. of the, the men, but I, I forgot. Yeah, well, I mean, well, the stereotype, right, is that, that, well, one of, one of the many stereotypes is that um, by people are promiscuous and that they cheat and that they're untrustworthy. And I have in my, in my novel, I, well, I don't want to, you know, offer I don't want to spoil anything but there is there is like a love triangle um and there is one of the people in the love triangle you know arguably does cheat um on on both of the people that she's involved with and I really wrestled with that with that you know character trait um it felt really integral to the character and it felt important to the plot um and I really worried that I was I was like playing into stereotypes and that I was, you know, at stereotypes that have been like hurled at me um, in really hurtful ways um, in the past. And I ultimately decided that it, it, you know, it was, it was important to this character and that her behavior was rooted less in her bisexuality and more in her inability to be close to people and that that was rooted very much in her childhood. Um, so the way that I found a way around it, I think by, you know, just really emphasizing that, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't acting this way because she was bisexual. She was acting this way because she was afraid of intimacy. And then that had really nothing to do with her sexuality. Um, but it, you know, it's tricky because I mean, you talk about this in your book, how like, how do you, how do you push against stereotypes when you sometimes feel like you are like the poster child for them? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I think you just like hit the nail on the head though. Like um, there's another thing that Sherry Eisner says that's like, if you are like, if you're like, all oh, bisexuals are like, need to be in open relationships, which read Rachel's book, uh, read open, um, if you'd like to learn more about open relationships, uh, as well as many relationship dynamics. But there, a lot of times, like people will be like, well, if you're bi, you want to be in an open relationship, and I don't necessarily want that. So this might like, this isn't going to work. But really, like, that, that has nothing to do with you being bi. That is just like, you like being polyamorous, or like, if, if you think that bi people are going to cheat on you, it's your issue is with like monogamy 
and mm-hmm. not bisexuality. And I, I feel like it's often used as like the scapegoat bisexuality for these other things that we have a hard time with. Even, even greedy is like a scapegoat for sex, uh, for like a fear of sex and like a fear of promiscuity. Um, so I think it's really amazing that you like got there through character development and found that because actually that didn't like occur to me when reading your book that Karina was, <laughs> was a, I mean, not, I shouldn't have spoiled, but uh, was a bisexual uh, stereotype in any means. Like that never occurred to me because you made it so nuanced and you like showed the real, the real places that those things came from. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think in in fiction and in both fiction and nonfiction, it's it's about really making sure the characters feel lived in and complex and not just emblems of their sexuality, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, and I I think that's true. Like when writing any character, probably, mm-hmm. but it's just so easy to like slip into those stereotypes, especially for things like by like identities like bisexuality that like aren't really explored often in Mm -hmm. fictional works where like there aren't a lot of blueprints of like nuanced characters that openly identify as bi so but now now there are yeah now there are i i was just thinking about all these things too (laughs) (laughs) um yeah Um, okay i'll ask the next question because i want to ask it to you uh so let's talk about writing sex. Uh, as I mentioned, you write sex very well and you capture like so many other things. I'm actually teaching a writing workshop on Friday and we are going to do a prompt around sex Ooh. and I, we're going to do a reading from your book. Oh, um, wait, wait, what scene? The, a, an, an important scene. <laughs> um, but uh, I've asked everyone to read to read the book in advance. So it doesn't spoil it, but um, oh. I might also change names in the excerpt just to mm. just to make it totally so it's not a spoiler. But um, what were like what were the hardest parts of writing? Like I mean, it, like it's relatively graphic and and involved. And I mean, I wrote about sex a lot in my book, and it's hard. So I'm curious, like yeah. how you felt about that, and yeah. Well, my the my feeling about sex scenes is that they, in fiction at least, they should not be like they shouldn't be there just for the sake of being there. That they should they should perform a narrative function in the sense that they, you know, they should move the story forward in some way. And I think sex scenes are particularly useful um, for showing something about characters or about the characters that they are not able to show or to say in other ways. In other words, that, you know, I think sex scenes are really, really useful, particularly when you're exploring a dynamic between two people where they, where you are showing through the sex scene, you're showing a, you know, a truth about their relationship or about these two people that you would not otherwise have access to through, you know, a sort of a less inhibited or a more inhibited situation rather. That, I love that. Um, I don't know if you know the comedian Kate Berlant. Mm -mm. Um, 
she's amazing. And she, there was a, a, a stand-up special of hers that, um, that just came out. It's on Hulu. And she talk, she talks about how people are like, sex is when the mask comes off. But she was like, mm -hmm. for me, sex is like when I have to put the mask on the most. Uh, and I think, I think that was really like an interesting insight because like, it's a moment when you really show your true colors, like, and your true, your truths of the situation. Right. It's a moment of extreme vulnerability. And those are, those moments are really interesting. I think, you know, in terms of character, just character development. Um, but I'm, I'm sort of talking, approaching this as like a novelist, as someone who just makes shit up, right? You were writing about like real sex that you've had. How did you approach that? I mean, it's, I mean, it's probably slightly similar just with like different names. Uh, but I don't know. Um, I, yeah, it, it was very weird at times. Um, it was, it was better to write about the good sex. Like, uh, there's like probably one good sex incident, good, good sexual experience in my book. And, uh, it, it was kind of also very strange while I was writing it. It was like everyone I was writing about, like their ears were burning and they would like randomly text me as when I hadn't like talked to them in years and they would text me and be like, Hey, what's up? And I think they knew I was working on a book. Pretty much everyone that I had slept with to that point knew that I wanted to write like a sex oriented book at some point. So I think everyone was secretly hoping or dreading that they would be in it. Um, <laughs> and so like with the with that good sex scene, like that guy texted me like out of the blue and was like, hey, how are you? Like, and then I was like, since this one is good, like, do you want to read it? And, and he was like, this is so great. Like, he was like, this made me feel really secure in my bisexuality, which was like awesome and not Aww. about the expected. Um, but yeah, then I let him choose his name, which was something a, a writing professor told me was a nice thing to do to people in, included in. Yeah, in, so did you run the, these passages by by everyone or just by people that you were still in contact with? Uh, I mean, I, I only the people whose names I didn't change, like mm -hmm. Brinley, Joey, Ben, my immediate friends and my partner. Um, and I had to get they had to sign like a release mm -hmm. um but and they they like looked over everything um but for most of the people like sometimes i had to like i had to change one of my ex's jobs Pro probably mm -hmm. shouldn't be saying that i guess um <laughs> but I mean, standard though like changing identifying details mm -hmm. yeah yeah it, it was a bummer though because sometimes the truth is stranger than fiction, than fiction. and you just want to keep it um <laughs> But yeah, yeah. I mean, I I have it was I, I'm excited to write fiction uh because it is like it feels very freeing to be able to do it without having somebody else like looking over my shoulder, mm -hmm. um, even if it's just in my head. Um okay, um let's see speaking of characters uh, by characters in media and there are more and more of them now do you have any recent favorites great question um yeah one of my favorites is um you know i can't remember his name but i don't know if you watched generation on hbo mm -mm, uh, i'm so sad because it was a it was an incredible show um, but it, it was all like about Gen Z mm -hmm. life, really. Um, 
but there was a bisexual guy he's like in high school um and just i thought the way they handled it throughout the show was was really great like they very subtly announced it sort of like he was in a fight with his mom or something and his sister was like oh yeah like like she the mom can't accept like his bisexuality at all like and it was just like a casual thing that like helped us understand like helped give us that label which is like like criteria zero that i look for in whether mm -hmm. something like good bisexual representation is like does it use the word because otherwise it like doesn't count to me um the i mean it, it can be queer representation but like for bi representation specifically i think the word needs to be there um but also it goes to that earlier point of and that Amanda wrote in the chat that bi characters should be allowed to be flawed and human because this character like was such a hot mess, like all over the place, like didn't know what he was doing. And I think that by by making him a male character, they sort of were able to like subvert it in a unique, mm -hmm. in a unique way, because the greedy stereotype is often also like directed yeah. at mm -hmm. women. Yeah which is another reason I wanted to write about it because it was a way to reclaim, like to talk about sex positivity at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, how about you? What what are some of your favorite? So, okay, ideas? so speaking of disaster bisexuals or chaotic bisexuals, I've been re-watching Broad City and, you know, that's a very millennial show. It came out, you know, mid 2000s in a lot of ways it's dated, but Alana Wexler in Broad City is, a bicon. To me, she will always yeah. be a bicon. Um, another show that I guess never uses the term bisexual, but to me, it seems very clear that a lot of a lot of the characters on it are is what we do in the shadows. Uh, have you seen that? Yes, but not enough. Okay. I know it's it is fantastic. It's about yeah. it's a mockumentary about um, three vampires who live together um on staten island um and it's it's very very funny all three of them are sexually fluid um and two of them are married to each other they're in an open marriage and they're both like they both have relationships with with various genders um and there's <laughs> um there's there's a clip from it um like an audio clip that i've seen going viral uh that laszlo says it's something laszlo's one of the vampires something like uh, gay's hot, gay's in, I want some gay, give me gay. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah, and so that's another just like really fantastic show where again, it's not like, it's very much not about, you know, their sexualities. It's about, you know, them being idiots, uh, them being immortal idiots, but they're all like, they're all just presented as sexually fluid and it's not like, it's not made a big deal out of it's just kind of like yeah they're all you know they all sleep with various genders and they all have you know they all become infatuated with with you know men in one season or women in the other and it's it's pretty great yeah um, I, I gotta watch it what i have seen is hilarious and yeah i think that's actually like a thing va that vampires are bisexual oh maybe i'm bisexual <laughs> Maybe I'm just referencing Lady Gaga in American Horror Story, but uh, I don't know. She's all consuming to me. Um, but I think I think it might be a thing. 
Um, and I, it is really nice to hear it happening in, in a comedy. Uh, I'm trying to turn Greedy into a pilot. It's out on like hitches right now. Ooh, it would make a very good show. Uh, thank you. Um, or turn it into a series, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's, it's being submitted now. But it's been really interesting to transcribe it to the screen because so much of the book is like interiority that is, a, is about these things that aren't like it is very over the top like this is bisexual content and so to like try to figure out how to do how to take that self-awareness of it i guess uh that it, that it can have in a book and put it on tv is really difficult and so I, it's making me realize wh why there aren't more why there isn't more content like my book on tv because it's not it's really hard <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if we'll crack it. Who knows? But it's it's like it's it's really dense. Like it can get really dense when you talk about like the nuance and the theory and like the patriarchy. You know, it's like it can just like go spiral into intellectualism, like so like draining intellectualism, not like pat myself on the back intellectualism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it 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 can just get out of hand so quickly. So yeah, I, I love that you brought up a comedy that's just sort of like fun, fun bisexuals. Are yeah, I think like both Broad City and um, and what we do in the shadows just do it mm -hmm. really, really well. Another one that I think does it well is um, um, Big Mouth. Um, oh yeah. On Netflix. Yeah. They, that's a show where they've learned they have figured out how to do it overtly uh and not make it cheesy because like the whole thing is about being like overt like that one song and they sing about all the sexualities mm -hmm. like yeah. it's like so great like uh, to your earlier point like i wish i had had that as a kid it would have just been really helpful same I, so I used to teach sex ed when I was in college. I taught sex ed to high schoolers and um, Jay is a bicon. Yes. Um, I, the, I remember watching it for the first time. I was in, I don't know, my, my like early to mid twenties. And I was like, this should be sex ed. Like they should screen this in middle school. Yeah. This is, it's really amazing. It's really wonderful. And it's also just, I find it like, it's a comedy and it's raunchy, but it's like so poignant in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yes. I, I also feel that way about sex education. Have you seen that? I haven't, but I've been, various people have recommended that to me. It It is great. It is great. Um, there's like, there's good bisexual representation on there too, but like that show it's very, it is like literally sex education. Like it's a young adult show and there's so much about like being true to who you are and like, you know, being open, but also safe about that. There's like so many morals, but they're, they're like worked in mm -hmm. very smoothly, uh, which is such an art. Um, and I also, you were saying that you wish you had had my book growing up. I wish the same about yours uh, because like, it just is, it was just so great to read like a beautiful bisexual, complicated romance like among many like not to even pigeonhole your book by genre um but i i remember you mentioned to me that it was seeming like it was pretty popular with gen z um which i think is like speaks volumes about where we are headed as a 
as a society, if you will, um, that like Gen Z is just loving this beautiful bisexual novel. Thank you, Gen Z. This millennial <laughs> is humbled. So, okay. If there's a bi canon, your book is clearly in it. What other books are in it? Yours. Uh, Rachel's. Mm -hmm. um, by Rachel Krantz. Let's see. This always gets difficult, actually. Or go ahead. So I, I have a couple of I have a couple of suggestions. Um, okay. One of them is another memoir that just came out called Acceptance by Emmy Neatfeld. And it's about a lot of things. It's it's you know, it's a memoir about um, foster care and homelessness and resilience narratives, but it's also a memoir about bisexuality. And it's really, really beautifully done. Um, Another book right that I, think of, I just bought it, and I think it again, might, you just got it. Yeah, it's like it's that's my oh cool yeah shelf. It's the yeah. one on the front. Yeah, <laughs> I need my friend, so I'm biased, but I think it's it's a really really brilliant memoir in a lot of ways, including in its exploration of bisexuality. Um, another one, I, which I consider a classic, and it's always pigeonholed as as like gay literature but I really don't think it is, is uh, Call Me By Your Name by Andre mm. Asiman. That to me is very much a bisexual book, even though it's, you know, it's talked about as a, as a gay novel. And I feel the same way about Giovanni's Room. Classic, mm. classic of queer literature, definitely a bisexual novel. Yeah, I, I think that's like a really, that's a really good call because it is really difficult to, like, I, I, remember when I was like, just throughout this process of like trying to make things bisexual first, it's always like, well, I think maybe that person's bi. And I realized I was just like, I think that person's cool. Like, hopefully they're bi. Like that was my filter. Um, but yeah, I, the, the book that is coming to mind for me right now, and I don't think that this is necessarily a bisexual book, I, I, but I think it's like a gender queer. Uh, and just like a, in general, a queer book is uh, the poetry collection Homie by Denez Smith mm. um, is like just such a like it it just queers everything, like including like poetic structure. And it's it's so like beautiful and soft. And I, I love when books like when queer books come at it with this just like beautiful softness, it's like. It's so wonderful. And I think yours does that as well. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend that book of poetry. Um, let's see. Um, there are so many. I don't know why they're not coming to me right now. I just read another great queer book. Um, oh, this could be different. Uh, yes. Oh, I there. love that book. Um, yeah. Um, yes, it is great. And um, yeah, great queer book. Oh. And we're at time, <laughs> but yeah. well, we're not, we're, we're getting there, but I wanted to pop in because we have some questions that are sort of adjacent to this question. Okay. So I thought I could um, open it up to that as well. So um, one of them was in y'all's opinion, what do you think stylistically is by culture speaking more of aesthetics, but open to hearing about cultural landmarks as well, music, movies, TV shows, books. Um, so maybe they don't have uh, 
like by character specifically, but something that you would consider aesthetically or stylistically by, or just in general, like if you were anything caught your eye and you said that's that's bisexuality <laughs> as a concept or as something you see in general. I love that. Yeah. Oh, go. What'd you say? I just. I was. I was kind of joking. The IKEA couch. Oh, for sure, though, for sure. Um, although, like, also maybe not, because I, I, I know that it is my culture, but I feel like, I feel like I don't want it in my house. That <laughs> you dressed up as that couch for Halloween. I did, and it was, it was a hit. Which, I, yeah, I'll get, I'll give it that. But I think. Uh, yeah, the couch. I, I, for some reason, like my first answer to this is like the killers and the band. Because Ooh. in writing my book, I realized, like in digging back into the like depths of my childhood, I realized that I was obsessed with the album Hot Fuss. And I was just like obsessed with it. And I was replaying like these like moments with the person I had a crush on at the time and we would always listen to that album and I was thinking about the songs and so many of them are queer like if you look at the the killer's lyrics like so many of them are queer and I it's just sort of like glossed over so I almost feel like that's that's like how I would define a bi aesthetic is like when it's queer but like people don't notice but they like it are you thinking about the like? I forget what the song is called. Coming out of my cage, and I'm doing just fine. And yeah, I mean and that one. And it's unclear whether the the like the the speaker is, is like into the man or the woman. Or, like, yeah, that one. Andy, you're a star. Is like a love song to like a guy on the football team. Yeah. Um, you mentioned her already, but Lady Gaga is unquestionably yeah. bi culture yes and she's bi which is mm -hmm. awesome um i just saw today that cardi b someone was like calling cardi b out for not have or someone someone was like here's uh bisexual or here's celebrities who come out as bisexual but haven't like dated anyone but men and cardi b was like i've eaten so many people out like <laughs> Like, just was like, how dare you say this to me? Um, so I think she's also canon. Um, okay, this isn't this again, this might be just related to my own, like my own childhood crushes, but um, Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weiss in The Mummy is by culture. Yeah, you're not alone in that. That's like. <laughs> Yeah. All right. And then we have another one that sort of in that vein of aesthetics. Um, could you both talk about the process of the covers of your book and how they were chosen? Is there any message that was trying to be conveyed to people looking at the shelf? Well, I know I know you, Jen, you had you had quite a long cover design process. Um, do you want to go first? Why don't you go first? And okay. Well, my my answer is very simple. I had I had no say over my cover. I really love my cover. Um, I feel I feel like I got really lucky. But um, in my case, I was I was given two options, and one of them was clearly superior, and so that was the one I chose. Um, 
I, I, I think the cover designer did an amazing job with mine. Uh, I know that she, I don't know much about the artist that she used, except that she's a Ukrainian artist named Anastasia Balabina. Um, but beyond that, I was not very, I was not really a part of the design process, but I know that you were, Jen. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm very happy for you <laughs> that you got such a beautiful cover right away. Um, I mean, I, I knew that like the brief for my cover was very difficult. Like it was a very, very challenging design brief because I had no idea of what I, what I wanted, but I needed something that would like signal to the bi community, but also like not be the bi flag because like that doesn't really actually signal to bi people and so it was it was very difficult because there was like nothing to model it after that was like that was like Here, this is explicitly bisexual content that like there were there were either like academic books or uh like didn't even reference it like uh Carly Cibolino's Slut Ever, which is a great book. Uh, and it has a lot of great stuff about bisexuality, but it's like, it has a different premise, you know? Um, and so I ended up working with this incredible designer named Rodrigo Corral. Uh, I like spent my personal advance on it. Uh, and because uh, I like was looking up all these covers I loved and he had like just all of them. So I was like, okay, he might be the perfect person. And somehow he really like, I think he really, I'll hold it up. I think he really captured like so many things about it. Like he captured the confusion, which I really love. Like, I know that that can be controversial. Like, it's not that easy to read or to tell what the title is. Um, but I, I think it speaks to the theme so much. And then it also takes up uh so much room which is obviously greedy um and yes I, it was a long process and i was very very involved <laughs> and then it ended up on in the new york times it's one of the best covers of 2021 yes which was one of my goals for the book uh which i i don't know if that's like a goal a lot of authors have uh but i was like the cover must get in the new york times so i that was really amazing uh, yeah okay and i have uh two more questions and, and the first is in your very unbiased opinion how do bi writers see the world differently hmm I think that I well, and this this might also just have to do with my upbringing. I was, I'm I was I'm a, I'm a third culture kid, meaning I grew up in I grew up outside of my country of birth and outside of my like my parents' culture. So I grew up sort of straddling cultures, um, and in a I, in a way, I think that's what often what bisexuality feels like, sort of like this minimum liminal space where you're sort of in between you're always in between you're sort of straddling two different worlds two different cultures and i think i think that that has made me more comfortable in sort of inhabiting those spaces of in-betweenness um and just in life and in my writing that is like really an awesome parallel for you to draw the 
the writer I'm working on my series pitch with um, is Inupak uh, Indigenous and has said like similar things about navigating like like assimilating as an indigenous person and like trying to like figure out where and what you like living in LA and like figuring out like what you're which part of your identity to like lean into, which I think is like so it's very interesting when bisexuality like overlaps into that conversation because I, I totally agree. I think uh yes it our opinions are very unbiased, but I would say that bisexual writers see the world differently because we see we have to see nuance like we don't have a choice and you have to be able to sit with two truths at once or multiple truths more than two um and i just think that it it kind of paves the way for you to be able to think that way like um even in, in my book, I like sort of follow the arc of like questioning gender after you figured out that you're bi and like questioning the gender binary. And I realized while I was writing it that that's like a really common thing on TikTok as well, like figuring out your that you're bi and then the issue of like what's the gender. Um, and yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> And then I saved this one for last um, because I thought it would be a lovely one to close us out on. What is your best advice when it comes to love and sexuality? I'm in my 20s and a baby bye, and I would love some words of wisdom. Hmm. I think that, like, knowing that you're bi when you're 20 is, like, amazing and bisexual like to the early the last question being bi and understanding it is your superpower like that being able to see those shades of gray is a really powerful thing so embrace it and yeah and sorry my my dog is growling because she agrees <laughs> This is maybe just more general, like relationship advice, regardless of the gender of the person that you date. They should be kind to you. Don't don't date anyone who makes you feel bad about yourself. Your partner should should make you feel good about yourself, and kindness is important in relationships. That's a really good one. I actually building off of that. Um, being bi for bi is a thing. And I feel like once I realized that I was attracted to other bi people, like primarily, it was like a lot of things about my sexuality clicked for me. Like, I I wish that I could just always say that sexuality because that, that is it, um, is for bi. But yeah, I would just encourage you to seek out other bi people and see if you like them. Yeah. I think too, like qu like queer friendship is as important as as queer romantic relationships. Um, you know, I'm I'm someone who's in a you know in a straight passing relationship. Um, I have been for a really long time. So for me, part of part of you know really you know affirming my queerness has been you know forming really strong friendships with queer people and 
and I think I think friendship in general is as is undervalued um, in society. Um, so and the, and the same the same advice goes for friends. Your friends should should be kind to you, and um, they should make you feel good about yourself. Very true. Well, thank you both so much for such a lovely event with so many uh, <laughs> with so many friends in the chat. As Ali has said, you guys slay one hundred percent. Thank you, Ali. We were so happy to host, <laughs> host you for this event uh, to talk about writing bisexuality and uh, sharing a bunch of books where people can see themselves represented in uh, a culture that has marginalized them for a long time. And to that note, while you all were chatting, I did put together a book list on the Skylight website Ooh. using, uh, <laughs> while uh, you were chatting using Rachel's uh, BuzzFeed articles. So you can click the link in the chat here for a book page featuring bisexual friendly books, as well as a link to Rachel's Twitter where you can add your own uh, recommendations if they are not on that list. So thank you so much for joining us this evening. For anyone who wasn't able to make it to the event that you know would love it, once we close the broadcast, it will be available for replay in just a few minutes. So you can send people the same link that you registered at. You can come back and watch it again and again and send it to any of your friends. And we hope to see you all soon. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.